0: Previously, on the McGuffin podcast, I just didn't think it worked in this movie uh, i if, if and again, this has more to do with the fact that none of these characters, with the exception of Batman, kind of not really, and Wonder Woman, were introduced at all. you know we, well, we get don't, sn- don't
1: worry Cass. there's a director's cut. <sighs>
0: Welcome to another episode of the MacGuffin Podcast, the movie review podcast that dreams are made of. Keith Foster, San Diego, that's where you live.
1: Cassidy Robinson, recording from an undisclosed location in the Rocky Mountains. See, that's all it needs to be.
0: And that's all it's going to be.
1: Cool. So we had Moving a good, on. good episode. All right. Uh, you can check us out on Twitter, <laughs> at MacGuffinPod. <laughs>
0: Today we're going to be reviewing the Justice League, the
1: long-awaited,
0: much-clamored-for Snyder Cut, Director's Cut. The movie
1: that was bullied into release.
0: Hey, you know what? It's not the only one. You know, I'm sure the Marshmallows were very loud online about their Veronica Mars movie, and there is some precedence for this.
1: It Yes, this isn't the first time something like this has happened, but I think it's probably the loudest an ugliest, it's been.
0: It's just adapting with the age, of the current uh, state of the internet as it exists. Yeah, uh, I,
1: I, that makes sense.
0: We're also talking about Maniac Cop, which we watched on Shutter. Do you know if that's streaming anywhere else?
1: I don't know. I, um, I mean, I
0: didn't I, check Tubi. It probably is there
1: too. Um, I feel like it's pretty available. I don't know. There's um,
0: all three of them are on there are on Shutter right now.
1: Yeah, it says it's available on Amazon, but that might be through Shudder. I don't know. This shit gets confusing.
0: Right. So, you know, check your services if you don't happen to have Shudder. Although I do advise having Shudder. It's a fun app. Yeah, um, and it's super
1: cheap. Like Yeah,
0: right now it's only five ninety-nine, I think, and unlike a lot of the other streaming apps that are out there, video streaming apps. Um, they'll actually bring on different filmmakers and things like that to curate their own lists and do some, some fun stuff that you don't see on other, other stuff. So concept albums, this is a thing that used to exist. I don't know if they still do. Um, everything's kind of
1: occasionally,
0: everything's sort of directed towards the single now, now that less people are buying physical media. Um, but occasionally you'll have a lemonade or something like that that comes out. Mm -hmm. Um, and I wanted to a few of these concept albums. Specific- well, I
1: mean, speaking of lemonade, yeah, uh, lemonade had like a a film that came along with it, like all the music videos kind of like
0: run together, together into like a, yeah. l- a big music video, yeah. But a few of these, a few of these albums, specifically the ones in the seventies, were in fact made into motion pictures. Yeah, uh, like
1: Pink Floyd's The Wall, Tommy's mm-hmm. The Who. Uh, it was it was a thing. Yeah, and there were... Uh,
0: uh, Sergeant Pepper, the really bad Sergeant Pepper one yeah. with the
1: Bee Gees. Uh, also, uh, Beatles related, uh, Yellow Submarine. Yeah, well, they did a few. Cartoon. They did a
0: few films. Yeah, help, mm-hmm. and I mean, some of those were more soundtracks to a film they were making. But yeah, uh, so or just I,
1: like a really long music video. Yeah,
0: I don't remember. They made a few movies back in the sixties. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to kind of go over this and talk about. You know what are some what are some concept albums, maybe newer or older, that you would want to see a film of? Mm-hmm. And you know doesn't have doesn't mean that every single song from the album has to be somewhere in the film. It could just be inspired by it visually or thematically or conceptually. Now, are,
1: do, now would you accept because um, there is a difference
0: between a concept album and a rock opera?
1: And okay. I in
0: my list, I have listed a couple that do both.
1: But you well, know because i I was gonna ask would you would you accept something because I think I already know the answer but would you accept something like uh across the universe which isn't a specific album but is just like a concept movie based on all the Beatles music
0: yeah no I wouldn't
1: okay because that's a
0: jukebox musical
1: yes well
0: which is kind of yeah. a different thing
1: it's it's a concept jukebox musical
0: yeah, that because, one's a little bit more specific because it's all Beatles.
1: Yeah, because like Moulin Rouge is like uh yeah. jukebox musical, but... Across the Universe is like a little different because it's all Beatles and it, it's also playing on some themes of their music. So right, um, that one is kind of an outlier, right?
0: But I'm specifically talking about using the album as the source of inspiration for the – As movie. the
1: framework for the story. Yeah,
0: however that inspiration manifests. Okay. So I did ask uh, our listeners and we did get some responses. Um, but I want to go through ours first in case uh, they say things we're going to say. Uh, so I'll let you start. What is, what's one of the first ones you thought of?
1: The first one I thought of, for a second, this was kind of hard for me because I was like, I don't really fucking listen to the concept albums. (laughs) But then I was like, you know what? There's a few. Uh, and I think the one that I would most like to see as a movie is, uh, Murder Ballads by Nick Cave. See,
0: Uh, I let you have that one. Because I I thought of that and I was like, no, for sure he's going to say that. And also, you're right. It should be one.
1: And yeah, because it's so different than what you would think of for a concept album movie. Mm -hmm. It's really fucking dark and moody and could be like really scary. And it could just like totally reinvent that thing.
0: And Murder yeah. Ballads isn't a concept... It's not a concept album in the sense that it tells a story, like a single story. Each song is its own story. So you could yeah. do it as an anthology film. Mm-hmm. And I love anthology films.
1: Exactly. Like, that checks off a few boxes for us. Yeah. Uh, it, I thought that you might say Murder Ballads because that is just, like...
0: It lends itself. I mean, Nick, all of Nick Cave's stuff is so cinematic like he exactly the way that he writes so... the lyrics and he builds i mean it's no surprise at all that he went on to go on to screenwriting
1: yeah his stuff is, is and him and john Hillcoat's very...
0: collaborations together
1: yeah totally um so if you had said that i would have also thrown in my favorite it's less conceptual than murder ballads but mm-hmm. um i still think the Lyre of Orpheus slash Abattoir Blues as a album. double album mm-hmm. could could work. Um, but it, it's less clear of a concept than murder ballads, which I think would just be like a straightforward fucking horror movie concept album.
0: Yeah, I thing. was kind of seeing it as in my head when I was thinking about it. I was kind of seeing it much like the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, but Kinda, a little yeah. darker, but in that sort of vein.
1: Yeah, yeah. I agree, but I would think, like, almost more straight horror because mm. a lot of those stories are, like, really fucked up. Yeah. All right, uh,
0: the first one I have on my list, and this one is probably the most obvious. Almost surprised it's never been adapted in some form or another. Maybe it's been a play, I don't know. Um, do Zen Arcade. Oh, okay. Um, this is a kind of revolutionized hardcore punk in the mid 80s i was they were one of the first bands of that ilk um to do a straight up concept album and to do a a do one that tells a continuous story from beginning to end and story Mm. of like a a young guy who uh, runs away from an abusive home and gets into a relationship with a drug addict um and you know it, it goes into some some pretty weird places as it goes and as an album you know, it's it's Fast and Furious and dirty and lo-fi and all that stuff. So you can just listen to it as a punk album and not think about the lyrics too much and just enjoy yeah. it on that level. But you can read along as well with the lyric sheet and get the full story. Um, And I think it would be really cool to see a film that sort of takes place in that era, like 1985, you know, like in the streets of Minneapolis or whatever, and, uh, you know, Kind of play into it, obviously, you wouldn't want to like the whole movie scored with who's kazoo music um but I think it it would be really cool to kind of do a film sort of in that vein of like indie indie cinema of the like mid eighties yeah, that would be
1: really interesting i think i think there uh I don't know you keyed into something here there's not enough concept album movies anymore,
0: yeah it, well it's maybe not directly i mean not not like a lot of the ones he made were like you know great um <laughs> some well, of them are cool the, cult films and stuff but like you know a lot of them are are kind of skew more towards the uh the sergeant pepper movie which is like a huge embarrassment for everybody involved
1: <laughs> yeah and but i i think there's potential there for it to exist outside of like sort of this niche 70s thing
0: right because uh, the reason they made the I mean, the wall's cool for what it is. It's more sort of an art project than a movie. But the reason they made Sgt. Pepper, the reason they made some of these other ones, um, even Tommy, which has its fans, wasn't because somebody had a vision to make like a, you know, a really interesting narrative out of this music. It was because... They saw a market because these are huge bands that were selling gazillions yeah. of records in the 70s and 60s, and they wanted to capitalize on it by, here's the thing you know, the movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So now I think just the way that music is kind of sold and and the, the niche fan groups that exist online that almost have nothing to do with each other, now you it could come more from an artistic place than from a purely profit-driven place. Yeah. All right, what was your next one?
1: Uh, my next one, so this one is a little tricky for me because it is not my favorite album of theirs by a long shot. Doesn't have to be. Uh, but they made a very clear like, attempt at a concept album. Um, the Decemberists released a concept album called The Hazards of Love.
0: Oh, uh-huh, okay.
1: And it was kind of outstretched and weird and kind of like, the story is a little bloated but it's it's basically just uh this fairy tale that gets like stretched out over the the course of an album you know and i think uh, especially a lot of the December's earlier albums almost any of them could kind of work they're um, they're,
0: they're also very storytelly and they're yeah, very kind of
1: theatrical stuff. i mean yeah. they're they kind of marketed themselves as theater nerds for a really long time yeah but i don't know i just again i think it'd be cool to see something like Almost in the vein of uh, uh, fucking who's that director we like Wes Anderson? Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's all you had to say. It's yeah, December is uh, Wes Anderson, obviously.
1: But yeah. yeah, almost in the vein of that, but maybe like a little bit, a little less quirky. Uh, again, this it, this is probably one of their darker albums. Um
0: it's certainly one of their like heaviest, as I recall? Maybe it was just a production on it, but
1: you yeah, know, they it's, went from it's being
0: a, kind of a Kind of a like folksy twee indie pop band to on that being like a full on prog rock band.
1: Yeah, there's some there's some guitar in that. Yeah. There's some some crunch. <laughs> um But yeah, so like almost like Wes Anderson meets that fucking fairy tale movie Tale of Tales we watched. Oh like, I,
0: yeah, it was a good movie. Or even somewhere that somewhere
1: in between that I think mm-hmm. could be like a really fun weird little project.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I could see something like that. I think that would be I think that'd be cool. That it, it'd
1: album. probably make me like that album more.
0: Yeah. See now I never like fully absorbed it because it was so big and ambitious and it just wasn't what I wanted to hear from them at that time. Maybe I should give it another shot. The next album they released after that was just like a stripped down 30 minute like country pop folk album. And I was like, Yes, thank you. This is what I want. Um, okay, here's one that Maybe some people say it doesn't count because it's sort of already been done as a film. Sort of, kind of, but not really. Mastodon's Leviathan, which okay. was
1: their right. concept I like, album. I like where you're going with this. <laughs> I'm fucking into this.
0: This was their concept album about Moby Dick. And yes, there have been Moby Dick movies. Uh, the Heart of the Sea came out not very long ago, which was like the base on the true story, apparently. That, oh, yeah. that Melville, it was kind of whatever. But um, it had its moments, but it was sort of whatever.
1: I didn't actually see it. Was that one directed by Ron Howard? Yes,
0: it was. But Mastodon, uh this was sort of their breakthrough album. They were sort of a lesser-known sludge metal band um and then they they kicked it up quite a few notches with with Leviathan and the big ambitious um prog metal album and it tells the story of Melville's Moby Dick.
1: And it's it's kind of incredible. And I actually didn't know this was a concept album. Oh, you but didn't? I, no, I mean, I, I, you know, I've only heard bits and pieces from Leviathan uh-huh. or uh, from Mastodon in general. Um, it's a kind of I an can,
0: old album now. I think it was like 2005.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it rips. They rip. Yeah, they're um, very, they're, very good. They're cool. But um, um, I didn't know it was a concept album.
0: Yeah, it's it's if you read along with the with the lyrics, it's fun. But I want to see the metal. Uh, Moby Dick movie. And I would yeah. want it scored by the album. Oh, yeah.
1: Hell yeah. yeah. I, I want to see
0: I, like Blood Red Skies. I want to see like just ridiculous stylization. I want to see Moby Dick, you know, like bursting from a blackened ocean with lightning in the background. I want to see the, the most fucking metal whale movie ever made.
1: <laughs> you know, there's not enough metal movies that get made in general. I know. Thank God which for is- Mandy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that was, like, the last one, Uh, and that's almost, (laughs) you could almost think of that as, like, a King Crimson concept album movie. Sure, yeah. But, yeah, like, I agree with you. Like, metal up our fucking movies, Mm -hmm. uh, because there's something so visual about metal. uh, Yeah, they always have the best
0: record covers. They always have the best videos.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Like, let's tap into that. It's all very
0: mythic and Norse and all of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, and horror and metal have always kind of been kissing cousins, anyway. Um, totally, but yeah, uh, that is that is one that I'm again I'm surprised it's never been done in some form or another. Maybe there's been some like animation or video or something, but uh, what is? Do you have any others?
1: Yeah, I have one more, kind of a similar vein as yours. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just I think concept album movies don't play into like the movie stuff enough i think Mm -hmm. and i think uh if you went like full genre craziness with this uh nine inch nails had a concept album year zero uh which was like about this god hand coming out of the sky and like causing this apocalypse and and uh it's uh, again it's not my favorite nine inch nails album um but it does try to to at least like Create a world um, mm. where everything is is sort of connected, and I just again think like if you went full genre with it in like this crazy like post apocalyptic fucking nihilistic thing,
0: cyberpunky thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I was thinking like that one's a little uh, tricky
0: because, and I thought of that album, but that one's a little tricky because it was released towards the end of the Bush era. Yeah. And a lot of the songs are directly about the Bush administration and, like, the War on Terror and the Patriot Act and, like, government overreach and government spying and all that stuff that was hot in the news at that time. Exactly. So it would almost have to be either kind of an alternative history kind of thing or, like, a – I don't know. Like, you would have to kind of – I don't know that the history is that
1: alternative.
0: Well, right. (laughs) Uh but I mean like would you be setting it back in 2008 or whatever it was or 2007 or would you I've, would you kind of like um presuppose a sort of apocalyptic future based on those sort of paranoia's from that time
1: I think either would be valid mm-hmm. um I think yeah, I I think the yes the that album does talk. you know it is especially like if you grew up during that era and, like, were yeah. alive when that album came out. A lot of it is, like, pretty on the nose. But I I don't think it's so specific that it couldn't work either way. It's not um, as
0: on the nose as American Idiot, and that has a Broadway play.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <It will. laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a reason I didn't pick that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, like capital G sure. uh, is both referring to George Bush and just like general uh, uh weaponized Christianity at the time so it's like a lot of stuff has sort of dual meaning mm-hmm. um so I think I think it would still play
0: yeah yeah I I think it could too I just want to like do you lean into the nostalgia or do you try and retrofit it it's kind of tricky
1: i I think I think either way could work. Um I yeah. think if you leaned into the nostalgia, I'd probably be a little less explicit. Um whereas if it was like, you know, more alternate future, you could reference stuff that, you know, happened from Bush era and Trump era and, you know, kind of just throw it all into one bag, which could be yeah, cool too. It's I all think either way a continuation
0: of the same thing anyway. Yeah. I mean it's Yeah, exactly. We're just seeing the mutated version of that era. All right, cool. Well, let's get into what some of the listeners had to say, and one of them picked mine, so that's why uh, <laughs> I don't have three and you do, but Alan from The uh, the MacGuffin, a writer over at The MacGuffin, he said, Good Kid, Mad City, which was the other one I had picked, by Kendrick Lamar, um, okay. which I believe is, I mean, it's a concept album, but I think it might be even more specific than that. And in the liner notes, it even says like a film by Kendall Kumar or something like that. So you're supposed to think of it in those terms. Uh, but it'd be really cool to see, you know, something like that, you know, and not necessarily in that sort of like eight mile, cool as ice, like sort of autobiography sort of way, but like maybe something a little, a little bit more, for lack of a better word, like artistically vague. Yeah. Sean, Sean Walters says. Uh, train wreck by boys night out. Um, I was not familiar with this, but a friend of his was very excited by this idea in the comments below. Okay. Um, and I looked at the, the track listing and it's, it's, it's like, um, you know, sort of ordered in a specific way. It's like, you know, the night out, the hangover, the blah, 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 blah. So I, I guess it's like a one crazy night sort of story told in album form. Okay. So that could be cool. And let me look at my quote tweets real fast. Uh, We have one here. uh, P.L. Arango um, says, that's an easy one. Albatross, how the failed to save the Lone Star State with the power of rock and roll by Fishboy. Are you familiar with this? No. I wasn't either. I had to go look it up. Fishboy, I guess they're like a sort of like Power Pop indie thing. Okay. Um, but I'll have to I'll have to check out that album. I guess a lot of their albums are concept albums. Uh, oh, cool. Todd Flatland says Broken Bride by Ludo.
1: I don't I don't know any of these. I wasn't as I'm f- old. Yeah. I don't know music. <laughs>
0: um I wasn't as familiar with that either, but in the uh Spotify's like you might like, it was like stuff like uh Motion oh. City soundtrack and spill canvas and that kind of stuff. Okay. So Um, and Whitney Seibold, the LA film critic says, The Desaturated Seven by Primus. And he specifically says it's an animated film using UI Derico's paintings as a model.
1: Oh, okay. Did
0: you ever go through a Primus phase?
1: Uh, I I flirted with a Primus phase. I, I, I you know, I, yeah, I downloaded some stuff illegally back in the day, but, um, uh, I never like. It was sort of like wean for me. Like it was just a little too out there for me to like fully deep dive into. Mm-hmm. Um, See, I
0: did the wean thing.
1: Yeah, I got, I got, I never, I never could fully embrace wean. I like a lot of their songs, mm-hmm. um, but I just, I was never fully weaned.
0: <laughs> well, in my, my original thing was like, I think you're either a wean person or a primus person. Maybe that's, or at the very least, you uh, prefer one over the other.
1: I think there might be some... I'm sure there's a lot up of that theory away. a little bit more, but there might be <laughs> something there. Uh, if if that's the case, I'm definitely more of a wean.
0: Right, yeah. It's kind of a, like a Beatles Stones kind of thing, but... I like Primus. I think Les Claypool is an incredible bass player. They're incredible musicians. Um, but yet yeah, very yeah. very weird and offbeat. And I I I downloaded a song here there, you know, Winona's Big Brown Beaver and you know, yeah. all that stuff. Uh I know the hits. Uh, but I, I'm not uh I'm not as familiar with like their albums.
1: Um, yeah, me but neither. speaking
0: of Ween, I could have easily said uh The Mollusk, which is a yeah. concept album. And it was uh, sort of the the uh, inspiration for the Spongebob SquarePants TV
1: show. Oh, that's fun.
0: Katie Hulverson also said the hazards of love
1: on, oh, okay. on Instagram. Cool. So good choice, Katie.
0: Yes. Alright. Well let's let's do it. We're gonna talk about it. Let's talk about Justice League. Do you want to describe this? What's going on in this movie? I mean, it's, this is kind of like the second time we've reviewed this because we did do the theatrical version. And I went yeah. back and listened to that review to, A, remind myself what happened in that movie because um, I did not remember. And B, to just see if, like, any of the criticisms of that still hold to oh, the okay. new one.
1: All right. Um, good, and- good for you. I I did not do that. I wanted to try and go into this... With as fresh of eyes as possible, mm-hmm. just I, I really tried while watching this to um to turn off the like comparing it to the the Joss Whedon one and was just trying to like okay let's just experience this as a movie as its own thing. Well, that was pretty easy um, for me
0: to do because I did not remember the Joss Whedon one. I remember scenes kind of yeah, but I don't yeah, remember like you know, what exactly the structure of the plot was or anything. I just remember, like, what it was about and, like, who was in it and stuff. But
1: I, I remembered more of it as I watched because I was like, Yeah, I, I every once like in a while you
0: catch this. a scene be like, Oh, I, I remember this scene.
1: So a little backstory, if you're unfamiliar with the the mythos behind the Snyder Cut. The lore. Uh, Zack Snyder was uh, working with Warner Brothers DC trying to build a cinematic universe to compare to Marvel where everything is like connected very tragically. His daughter died while he was, uh, while they were filming and he had to step back from the project. They had a, a hard release date at the time. So DC Warner brothers brought in Joss Whedon to finish the movie. It did not do very well. I, I, I think financially it did all right, but critically it was just very maligned and so there's always been sort of this like rallying cry for Zack Snyder diehards of like, well the Snyder cut would have been better. Release this, and so hashtag release the Snyder cut became this big thing online. It eventually gained enough momentum uh, that Warner Brothers was like, all right, you know what, we're we're going to give into this. Clearly there's a market for it. Clearly people want this. Um, so they hooked back up with Zack Snyder. They gave him the budget of a, a new movie to film reshoots. And then they just released this this four-hour epic, I guess, opus version on, on HBO Max. Um, yeah. The story is Superman is dead. He died at the end of Batman v Superman. Mm-hmm. Batman, through a sense of guilt and pure convenience... Realizes that uh, they you know, th- that Superman probably did more good for the Earth than bad, and Arguable. somehow, <laughs> and somehow has this premonition that there is this galactic level Thanos style threat coming, and so he needs to assemble all of the super people he can find on Earth, um, including Wonder Woman, Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman, Jason Momoa's Aquaman. Ezra Miller's The Flash and Ray Fisher's uh, Cyborg goes on this recruiting mission to bring all of the they call them Mm metahumans I'm going to call them better thans (laughs) uh, together to defend the earth from Steppenwolf who sounds like he's from a concept album Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah yeah. Uh, who is collecting these MacGuffins called Mother Boxes if he gets all three of them, bad stuff happens.
0: Yeah, you can orp- open a portal and Dark Side and his minions from what's what's their
1: world called? Uh, apocalypse. Apocalypse. Not not subtle.
0: Yeah, uh, can enter into our reality um, and
1: like instantaneously like transform it into one of his planets or whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean that's the bones of what is going on here.
1: But there's a yeah, and so in this version, uh, some stuff is in a different order, um some stuff is the same, but slowed down. uh, some stuff is just scored differently, and then there is a bunch of of stuff that either hit the cutting room floor or uh was just reshot completely created for this version,
0: yeah, I mean, this is more like a remake. Or a reboot than it is a director's cut because there's, I would, I would guess more footage that's new or, or at least never seen than there was, you know, from I, I the mean, original 20, 2018 cut or whatever.
1: I think it's, I mean, so the original one was two hours long. This one is four hours long. So clearly there was a bunch of new stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, or, or at least like very different versions of previous scenes. Uh, yeah. there were a few things that I remember that I was, uh, the
0: entire climax is retooled.
1: Yes. But, uh, I will say for the better, um, I, here's mm-hmm. the thing. I think some stuff is better. I think some stuff is way, way worse. Um, so it's, it's, I think this is kind of a trade-off, um,
0: yeah, it is. It is a mixed bag. Um, and I actually took notes while watching this because it's so long, that I knew there would be stuff that I would forget if I just kept, you know, kept it going, and just try and remember things two days later because I watched this in two halves.
1: Um, yeah, I did. Th- I did the same thing. Uh, because I mean, four hours is unwieldy. Four hours of Zack Snyder can feel oppressive. It's a
0: lot. The whole movie is a lot, and very little at the same time. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah. So that's, I think that's the... the uh, <laughs> honestly, we should just stop the review here, because that's the best... Yeah.
0: <laughs> There's my poster quote. So I'll just kind of list these off. You can tell me if you agree or disagree. Um, I, I started with the dislike stuff. Okay, so okay. these, uh, but I do have a, sm- a somewhat smaller list of stuff I thought were improvements, or at least good in the uh, context of this film.
1: Uh, um, yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, we can start off with the trash.
0: All right. So, uh, the movie is front uh, front loads the first half with cool for the sake of cool nonsense. There is a ton of, mm-hmm. I mean the uh, the first ninety minutes of the film is just these slow motion, you know, stylistic tableaus of all of these different characters doing stuff that has nothing to do with the plot. And I understand you want to introduce them to some extent, like this is their thing, this well, is why we care.
1: And and, and I, I don't wanna I don't want to harp too much on the uh Marvel versus DC thing, mm-hmm. but you know, when you have an epic Magnus like uh, Avengers in game, you can get away with a lot of of just getting to it because we've had 20 other movies right. to get us we here. We know
0: the characters were already there. Yeah, and this this, is this like, movie is essentially trying to to build a universe and be its own movie at the same time.
1: And Well, it's it's trying to build a universe and be its own like epic conclusion to that universe at the same time, right. but also leave the door open for more. I, again, I will not fault the movie for its ambition. It is biting off a lot and it mm-hmm. can't chew all of it.
0: No, that's true. And, well, I, th- but I think that the, uh, the, the stylistics of the film are almost a detriment to it because, yes, A, and I'm sure this joke has been made a hundred times, but honestly, if you took out all the slow mo, it'd be probably two hours shorter.
1: And, and here's the thing there's so much unnecessary slow mo. Like, mm-hmm. like, it's just, there for the sake of style whereas like sometimes it works as a storytelling device like when uh the flash is going super speed and everything goes slow-mo for him and it's like oh okay this this makes sense this is actually using this Zack Snyder technique to tell a story there's like a really cool moment where he's like running super fast and and uh Superman tracks him and he's like watching him and like that's fucking cool
0: in that scene it worked although I feel like they do that every single time he he's that's, running.
1: That's exactly what I was getting to. The the problem Almost to is, the
0: point where if you let's say you were four years old and you're watching the film, you don't know who the flash is, you don't know what his thing is. You would not register that his thing is that he goes fast. You would think he's the character that runs slow. Because you <laughs> never see him run fast in the movie because it's always done with the same stylistic.
1: Yes. And that and that is I think a big problem with these stylistics is like When we see Wonder Woman moving in slow-mo, when we see Aquaman moving in slow-mo, it makes the moments where they're using slow-mo as an actual storytelling device Mm -hmm. not as effective. And if they just cut that shit out and look for those moments where the slow-mo works, then I think those payoffs would have been so much better. And you still would have gotten your signature fucking nonsense slow-mo, it just would have actually been earned. But Uh, yes.
0: My second point here, and it kind of coincides with the other one, unbearably pretentious soundtrack and scores with what was being called in the uh, in the um, uh, subtitles Ancient Lamentations. Uh, This kind of like Middle Eastern wailing kind of happening in the background.
1: There's this thing that I noticed specifically in Specifically in this movie, whenever Wonder Woman does anything, literally anything, there's this "Ah, ah," and it's like, whoa, (laughs) like it is weird. It's just Uh, supposed to
0: kind of it's supposed to like be a stand in or a a sort of an emotional manipulation to feel. Portentous. It's supposed to. Just a, this is an important thing that's happening right now. This is very. This is very serious. It's very dour. Um, when it's the exact same score, characters.
1: when it's yeah. the exact same score with the exact same character every time they do anything, it's it's the same as the slow mo. It's a case of diminishing returns. It gets right. to be oppressive. Yes. It it's, it no longer functions as a storytelling device and just becomes this aesthetic thing. And that is, I mean, overall, that is my problem with Zack Snyder. He's not a good storyteller. He is, he should be doing music videos. Like he, he doesn't know how to, well, that's, yeah, he should have stayed there. I I mean, I'm convinced after watching this that he hasn't ever read a comic. He's just flipped through and look at the pictures because that's (laughs) what he does. He makes these tableaus, uh, he makes these scenes, but they don't mean anything. They don't. Right. No, actually, and like then all he, he
0: thinks that if he if he puts like the ancient lamentations in the background or or these like really, really cringy needle drops. Like I was
1: offended by the Nick Cave <laughs> needle drop. <laughs>
0: Which <laughs> in uh, the original, in uh, that that I did remember. In the original, and I thought it's it was just, lame there too. But in the original, it was like a White striped song. It was supposed to be like this rock and roll kind of fun moment. Like, And then in the new one, it's now turned into this very so serious, pretentious. somber moment of, of Aquaman like staring into the ocean and blah, blah, blah. Then, and
1: he is one of the more fun characters in this movie. So co- like-
0: I pa- I literally paused the movie and said, "Why is it? Sh- why are you doing this? What is the emotional meaning of this song right now? Why does this scene have to be so somber?"
1: It. it it's just. It was because just meant it's to cool. look cool because it's cool. Exactly. That's it. There's, There's a similar
0: a- scene with the Flash, and I actually like the sequence. Oh, when he this. goes to apply for a job, it's the first time we meet Barry Allen, hey, and he, it's, it's supposed to be a light scene. It's written to be light, but then he goes to like quickly save somebody in a car accident while he's like applying for this job, and then all of a sudden it plays the siren song by This Mortal Coil, like a cover of it, and it's this very sad, very heavy song, and it turns into the move the scene into something else, and I'm like, what? What is this?
1: Yeah, and it's, it's – <laughs> And then it goes right uh, back it,
0: to Happy again once he comes back. It's like you just like stop the movie in its track to do this music video that has nothing to do with the scene. It's just I mean, weird. That's kind of whole the whole movie. And the whole first half of the movie, the whole first 90 minutes is just stuff like that over and over again.
1: And – and Batman with some of the worst exposition I've ever heard in a movie.
0: Well, he pretty much functions as a means of exposition
1: through the sure, movie. Sure, which, which, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, it <laughs> makes sense for what they've established so far. It's just so badly written, these parts. It's literally like, yeah, uh, Alfred, I have a feeling that this bad thing is going to happen and I need to find these people before it does. And Alfred will be like, the fuck? Like, what? Are you talking about? Like, it doesn't make any sense at Uh, the beginning
0: of the movie. Or
1: there are some logical stretches. Is all I'm saying that Batman jumps to of like, right? Oh, clearly the world is ending because.
0: I mean, they can always lean on Greatest Detective or whatever, like, why he seems to know everything that's going to happen. But but if you're
1: going to do that, do that. Yeah. Like, show him at least at his back computer being like, crime has increased 800% or whatever. (laughs) Like, give us something beyond just like, I've got a bad feeling about this. Yeah,
0: I I had a dream. Okay. Okay, Agent Cooper. The box origin story, which... Goes on what well, feels like half an hour scene. It's, 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 it's like Lord of the Rings style, um, mm-hmm. uh, like ancient battle between the – between Steppenwolf and the, and the people from Apocalypse and
1: Th- – the Themyscira.
0: Themyscira and the warriors. And it is literally, beat per beat, the exact same scene that opens Lord of the Rings. Replace rings with boxes. It's the same shit.
1: Okay, so Which is
0: fine, whatever. But one, it doesn't thing, take a half
1: an hour long. One note about that that I will say is that was in the original cut, but it it wasn't as long, and it was it was slightly different. Um It felt forever. But but that was that was how the movie opened in the Joss Whedon cut was like uh was like Wonder Woman narrating this whole thing of like Oh, there were these mother boxes and we all fought for them. And, and mm-hmm. it's also bad, but in the opposite way, uh, because it's like so truncated mm-hmm. and so uh, who gives a fuck and what does this have to do with Justice League? I think it's placed in the movie a little bit better here, but I agree with you. It's way too long. I could have used at way least too-
0: 10 minutes less of it.
1: And way too inconsequential. And the whole point is to show how badass Darkseid is. And he he comes across as like So that is another thing about this movie is uh in the original version, it was just Steppenwolf. He was he was only there. Uh Darkseid had like the briefest of cameos. Mm-hmm. Um he was like the weird melty metal thing. Um, but in this they have like several sequences with Darkseid to try and make him like to the build big it badge. Up. Yeah. And I think it kind of does the opposite. I think it makes him like a uh, I mean. It overexposes again, him?
0: Huh? Do you think it overexposes him?
1: Yeah, and it just it just kind of generifies him. Whereas like it does make Steppenwolf a little more interesting, but it just makes him feel like, makes Darkseid, who's supposed to be the DC's Thanos, I mean, one benefit of, again, Marvel, is they they dedicate a whole movie to Thanos and his motivations. And maybe they could have still done that with Darkseid, because up to that point, Thanos was just sort of this mysterious CGI villain. Um, I just, I was never really scared of that, of Darkseid. I yeah. was just like...
0: I I was like, why are we
1: showing him so much? He's not the villain, and this is just making him less dangerous feeling to me.
0: I'll come back to that, because I do have some conflicting feelings about that. But I already said that. Okay, so Aquaman feels out of place in the movie, and he only makes sense in the context of coming after an Aquaman solo feature.
1: Yes. Uh, I
0: I mean, I think you said this in the last review. Um, the first time we reviewed this movie. But he doesn't really have that much to do here. And all the yes. fight sequences don't really utilize his powers.
1: No, I think... He's mostly I think there for even, one-liners. I think that's even more glaring in this version. Yeah. Because at least in the Whedon cut, mm-hmm. uh, he was... He felt a little more, even though they didn't, he didn't have much story action to do. He felt a little more like a heavy. Yeah. In this, he feels like a background character. Mm-hmm. Um. And yeah, it is. He's given less I motivation. I sometimes forgot he was even in it.
0: His character is given a lot less motivation than the others. I never really feel a sequence where it's like, well, thank God Aquaman was there. I, I don't know. I, I, nothing against Jason Momoa in this film. I I don't love this portrayal of Aquaman. It's just very Zack Snyder, bro. Whatever. I. But
1: it yeah, is what like, it is. We're gonna make. We're gonna take Aquaman and instead of trying to think of a clever way to make him not a joke, we're just gonna make him badass. Yeah.
0: It's yeah. It, and, and it's, it's the like, Monster Energy Energy Drink version of Aquaman.
1: Um, but which I'm, I'm not it is what it entirely is. down on. Yeah, I, I um, think that's,
0: you know, there's, there's things you could do with that. I just don't think they do that. They do yeah. anything really. Um, no, I agree. And then last but not least on the negatives, and, uh, I'm sure you have a lot to say about this. The epilogue is the epitome of everything wrong with this project. It's too long. It spoils plot points for later films if they were to occur, and it's poorly acted. It's like, I was I paused in the middle of the epilogue. How much longer is this going to keep going?
1: I didn't think we'd get here so fast.
0: <laughs> Do you want to get to the good stuff and we re- come back to the epilogue?
1: No, let's just let's just let's talk. get out of the way. Let's just let's just talk about it. Yeah, the epilogue is the dumbest thing I've seen. I think committed <gasps> to film. This was exactly where I came up with that theory that that Zack Snyder doesn't actually read the comics. He just looks at the pictures because none of the characters are acting in any fashion that is built upon anything. It's it's all nonsense, Cassidy. No, I know. It, it, it is. So ju- it, it just is so people
0: the, know, the epilogue, like the movie ends, well, okay. we get our happy ending, and then it well, jumps on. ahead. We don't know how well,
1: far. there's also like five epilogues. So- right. We're specifically talking about the uh, what's, what's what's referred to as the, is
0: the epilogue.
1: The uh, well, no, 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 uh, as the, the nightmare sequence. That's what it's referred to online because it's like built off of that weird nightmare sequence from Batman v Superman. Uh, Batman v Superman, and yeah. it's like, okay, we get it. This is the thing Snyder, they were
0: supposedly building up to. Yeah,
1: all he wanted to make was an injustice movie. Now, I'm sure you're probably not familiar with the this, but Injustice was this video game that was basically Mortal Kombat with DC heroes. Mm -hmm. And the idea is that uh, the Joker kills Lois Lane and makes Superman go insane and he becomes like a super villain. Cool. There's a million Superman becomes evil stories. I get it. Zack Snyder wanted that. That's all he ever wanted from his movie universe. Sure. This isn't cool. Uh, and It's not that evil Superman isn't cool. Evil Superman can be done well. Uh, watch the boys. Yeah, Evil Superman in it. He's great. He's scary as fuck. Uh, weird, creepy dude. We get a
0: little bit this of Evil is... Superman in this movie. Huh?
1: A little bit. Yeah. Um, or a hint of and it. that yeah. sequence is, I think, still basically works. Um. Yeah. So there's five epilogues basically, uh, which is like all of the Marvel post credit stingers just sort of strung together. together yeah. uh, Cause there's like this one where Lex Luthor gets out and he hires Deathstroke to kill Batman, which was teasing a movie that's never going to happen. There's this sequence where Batman talks to Martian Manhunter in a sequence that's leading to a movie that's never going to happen. But then there's specifically this chunk that again, has no connection to the rest of the film. It is very jarring. It's very out of nowhere. Uh, it's very, everything's dirty, sepia tone, uh, post-apocalyptic, like 101 formula. We see Batman with this new Justice League crew, uh, which has Deathstroke in it, which supplants the stinger that we literally just saw the scene before. The big thing, the big thing is that Batman has to team up with the Joker To kill Superman. And it is just the most cringeworthy, like, scene of dialogue from an uninspired interpretation of Batman talking to an uninspired interpretation of the Joker, which was not consistent with Jared Leto's previous interpretation of the Joker. Yeah. It's just fucking bonkers why people, I don't understand how people got excited for this. It's, it's bad. It's poorly written. Really poorly written, really poorly acted. Nothing about it has any consequence or connection to anything, mm. and it's all meant to tease a movie that's not going to happen unless the fans are abusive enough
0: <laughs> to, to make get it
1: happen. Yeah, Zack Snyder's. I think Justice that's the League idea. Too.
0: I think it's the idea with this whole project. But yeah, I think that uh, uh, I did not find it to be exciting at all. I mean, for one,
1: I expected you, mean you didn't get you didn't get ramped up when Batman said, "I'm
0: gonna fucking kill you." Yeah, this is an R-rated movie, by the way. Um, yeah, yeah, no. Which for
1: like two characters saying "fuck" completely out of character.
0: Yeah, there, there's weird. a there's a robbery sequence with um with Wonder Woman, which like as a mini movie within the movie is fine on its own, but is like tonally just somewhere else from this whole other thing. Uh, no, this whole epilogue, I was just, I, it was the opposite of exciting. It deflated whatever positive feelings I was feeling about the movie before that
1: point. Yes.
0: Like, it put the worst I, taste in my mouth.
1: Which I agree, there actually is some... There's things to like. There is some stuff to like, but yeah, and then it, this is just like... Night Zach two,
0: rem- night two of the Snyder Cut was much better for me than
1: night one. Same. Yeah. H- hardcore same. I like, we could have, you could have started this movie halfway at in. Part, yeah. Like part four or five or whatever and been <laughs> totally fine, not missed anything because that's the problem with this movie. Mm. Nothing builds on top of anything really for the first two hours. Then there's a decent movie. Then there's this bullshit at the end that yeah. reminds you Zack Snyder directed this. I'm not going to let you forget I'm Zack Snyder. I directed this. <laughs> well, I never and it just, Yeah, um, it just ruins it. It it it's, just it's, frustrated it's me. Bad.
0: I advise. The movie's already t- too long as it is. I advise people to turn just the movie end. off when, it's, when the epilogue starts.
1: Just again, to get it,
0: a better viewing experience.
1: And again, it is meant to... Because that has nothing to do with what you just saw. No. And and that's okay to do as like a post-credit teaser stinger thing. Mm. Like Marvel proved that that works. But those stingers are usually like, you know, two to five minutes long. Yeah. This is like a 15-minute sequence of nonsense garbage. Yeah.
0: Um, Okay. So things I liked... I think this movie does a better job at integrating the villain and building him up, and yes, that includes some of the dark side stuff, which is you could feel away about it. I don't know, but I actually thought Steppenwolf looks better. I do like the kind of st- like staples outfit thing that he's wearing, the cheese grater staple thing. I think he comes off more threatening in this film than he did in the first the first go around.
1: I, I agree. I I actually I understood
0: his motivations more. They they spend more like legwork with building up the threat so that there's something because the other movie it was just like some CGI goblin man is scary because boxes. Yeah. And this no, one I, there's feels like there's a little bit more of a structure to you get to see him do a little stuff. Yeah, you and you get to see a little bit more of like what the end what his goal is, what his end game is. And I think and knowing those stakes is makes all of the hero stuff work a little bit better.
1: I I agree with you there. I think in general, Steppenwolf and the villains are portrayed a little bit better here. I think even the parademons are a little scarier. Um they they still end up just becoming kind of a CGI army by the end. Yeah. But um show
0: Power Ranger putties, basically. But um. Yeah. yeah,
1: but uh, I'm still not crazy about the look of Steppenwolf, uh, because that his armor makes him look very CGI and very uh boss battle video gamey. But I've noticed do- this, I've
0: noticed this with a, a decent amount of of special effect movies now, and specifically sort of Snydery stuff, um, or you know. His children, because they exist now—not um, mm-hmm. his literal children, but his, you know, directorial influence. Uh, there seems to be less of a, less of a of an attempt to like fully um, texturize or integrate CGI. Now it's like it's almost okay that something looks totally fake sometimes. Yeah, like it's I, because I, it's not that the technology's not there. It is. It's just like for certain sequences, I was like, "This might as well be a cutscene in a video game right now." Like, there's I, not, well, I, there's green screened. Everybody in the scene is animated. This is an animated film I am watching right now.
1: I think, um, you know, when we're talking about someone like Zack Snyder, I I think there's something about the idea of like, let's make this look like a cutscene in a video game because. My fans love video games, right? And, I, I'm, and I, I, maybe I'm reading into it a little too much. I,
0: and I, I probably use that specific, um, you know, criticism too much. And I don't want to say like, look, look, if these scenes existed as a cutscene in a video game, they'd be the best cutscenes of all time.
1: They'd be incredible. Nah, I don't know. Nah, it's been man. a while
0: since I played a video game.
1: Yeah, but like this, like honestly, that's part of the problem. Is video games have kind of surpassed this at this point. Like, some of the
0: animation, not all the time. Yeah, but there are certain sequences, specifically with like things that aren't human, that they're like, eh, it doesn't have to look like it. Like, totally let's
1: not waste time with makeup at all. Yeah, let's just do it all, and they can. It yeah. can be weightless, uh, and
0: it can be kind of fakey because that's the style. We'll just drench I everything think... in style, and hopefully it'll kind of just bury itself in in the scenery. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think there is something to that. I will say though that I would rather have a bot a video game boss battle villain than whatever we had before. I yeah the the, the last Steppenwolf was not threatening in the least. No, uh, it he was it was like comedically bad design. I this is. I think also bad design, but at least it's, it's compensating. Right yeah, it's not. I,
0: I it's not what I would want, but it. Um, I was like, okay, least, this is better.
1: It at least feels like they're going for a tone of like he's a giant fucking monster, and I'm like, okay, at least he's a giant fucking monster,
0: right? And he wants to do very very bad things. Um, yeah, I think the strongest arc in the film is cyborg, who was. Yes. Barely existent in the original cut. He was well, so superfluous in the last movie that I I forgot everything about him in this film.
1: Are you familiar with the, the character the controversy with Ray Fisher? Well, I
0: know he wasn't happy about certain things. Yeah, but I didn't uh, know.
1: Well, like, the I mean specifics of it. So he, I mean, he came out and specifically like accused uh, Joss Whedon of being very abusive on set. Um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, there's you know talk that like his part being cut as much as it was out of the movie was sort of retaliatory um which kind of makes sense because his he does have the most compelling arc he should be he's like sort of the main character he's
0: i think there's an argument and maybe i'm just like showing my bias or whatever but if this had been a flash cyborg movie i would have been happy
1: Like, cut out all the other bullshit? Cut out
0: all the other characters and have them be the... I mean, it'd it'd be a big mission for two guys who are new to the scene, the two youngest characters. But, um, yeah, no, I I thought both of them were...
1: You you could even rework it to where Cyborg knows of the threat. He's the one trying to bring the Justice League together. And Batman is the one they can't recruit because he feels so much guilt (laughs) for killing superman like finally the thing that they yeah. get him to come back for is to resurrect superman boom already more compelling story
0: right and but i think that his story which for whatever reason it is the most it's the most complete character arc in the film
1: i absolutely agree with you i think uh whether or not it was intentional the whedon cut definitely did ray fisher dirty mm-hmm. um uh yeah they make him a the only the only thing I will say and this was I don't remember noticing this as much, but talking about CGI characters his CGI to me looked really bad and it was very unnecessary like I didn't know why we couldn't give him a cool armor suit but whatever it kind
0: of it's from scene to scene there's sometimes it was like action sequences were moving a lot you could tell it was more animated but I there's some stuff I think he was wearing actual armor a- and that's at least parts of armor and it looked better
1: than other parts. And that's not his fault. No. Um, uh, I. And whenever you're doing steel
0: and chrome and stuff like that, it's always going to be an easier animation job than, like, you know, hair or water or things like that.
1: But, like, look look at his suit compared to Batman's, like, armor suit or Aquaman's armor suit. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's the same amount of, you know, fake warbler. Like, yeah. I, I would have preferred that kind of look but again that's that's kind of nitpicky in a movie full of a lot of weird stuff. decisions. Yeah.
0: I but I was actually his story if there is an emotional component in this film, I found it there. Um yeah. and I thought the the story with his dad really worked. And uh if there is if this movie's about anything, I guess it's about second chances and I think that that, that yeah. theme seems the the strongest within his story.
1: Yeah, I guess we kind of see that. Like, even the villain wants a second chance. Batman wants another chance. Like, yeah, yeah I, I can see. You could write a, a, you know, a shitty undergrad paper about that. <laughs> I mean,
0: that's, you know, the movie's trying to kind of be about something, and that's about it. But, you know, uh, okay. And then I and then we've already said, I think that the, the climax of the film is better here
1: than it was in the I think new. it's way better. I actually, so there's a sequence which I think is, Completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole ending felt like pretty... I pretty mean, there's still like... They they go to the town to like...
0: Once they bring the, Superman aliens. back with the magic box, from that point on, it's, it's fairly different.
1: Yeah. It, uh, um, and I think that scene still basically works. I liked that scene the first time, like when they resurrect Superman. Like kind of everything then on to me is like pretty decent. There's mm. even a scene where like... Uh, Flash and Cyborg are like digging up uh, mm-hmm. Superman and they like even have a moment that's like kind of a quieter like conversation and I was like okay.
0: I would say, Pepper- w- I would say the movie starts to pick up when the team is more or less assembled. Once we get past yeah. all of the lame over serious over dramatic stylized music video stuff which is the first 90 minutes of the goddamn movie yeah. Once we get into the actual plot, it's actually okay. I don't love it, but it's okay. And then, you know, I do think that it actually sort of builds naturally, and yeah. we get some decent action scenes. I do think that some of the scene, like the the backstory of the box, goes on way too long. And I think I actually still think that the the final action sequence with with Steppenwolf probably goes on a bit too long too. I got a little with them shooting at yeah, the buggy. I mean the buggies. Especially
1: like I don't need to see Batman shooting fucking parademons forever and for ever. 20 minutes. Yeah. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, like whatever. At that
0: point it just felt like they, they were making it long just so it didn't seem as seem shorter than the shit that doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, that, that might be it. But uh but there's in particular there's a sequence at the end mm-hmm. um with involving the flash that I did not see coming where and you're like right we see flash and cyborg sort of work together the most Mm -hmm. like they they seem to be the characters that have sort of the most natural
0: relationship
1: like reason to be together um and their powers complement each other you know like cyborg needs more power flash can run fast into it and and there's a sequence at the end that i was like kind of like oh where the fuck did this come from not in that it's out of nowhere but in that I was like this is actually pretty good. Uh I I actually like give a shit. Mm-hmm. And you know, I will say I don't know that I ever gave a shit in Joss Whedon's Justice League. So that's something.
0: Yeah, I think that this is Do I want to say it's better? I think it it is. It is better. Well, th-
1: it it's so- <laughs> it's better someone than Someone said they want to see an editor now take it uh, yeah, edit the Snyder cut. I want to see a cut of the Snyder I wanna cut. I want to see the Topher cut of the Snyder cut. Yes, yeah. Yes. And I think we yes, I think I think if if a lot of the unnecessary bullshit was trimmed out of this movie and there is a lot is 4 fucking hours
0: mm-hmm.
1: then yeah, it it would be better. And and I think in general for telling the story he's trying to tell I do think it is a better than the theatrical cut, the, the 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 version we got. Yeah. I just wish there wasn't so much Zack Snyder dick rubbing to try and get this. The, now the hashtag is Restore the Snyderverse. Like, just get, like, we don't need that. Don't, don't, don't do that. You're lucky don't, you got like, this. Exactly. Yeah. Like, just, just make this the best Justice League you can. Yeah. Let's not bank on this these movies that I I hope don't happen.
0: And <laughs> I mean, then, we then... some of it will, and some of it won't. Obviously, we like Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman. They're still making those, although people didn't like the last one as much. Um, and uh, you know, I, I suspect there'll probably be another Aquaman. The, there still might be a Flash movie with Ezra Miller, although he's low key canceled now. Is he? Yeah, there no. was a thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. I we'll we'll see what comes of all of this. But ultimately, I will.
1: I will. All I will say is, if you are a fan of the Snyderverse, yes, if you have been thus um, far, yeah, and if you're into all of this, if you're into the that, very cool. Like, I I I can see why this is for you and this is exciting. But don't be a fucking pest online. Don't bully people. You know, like, yeah, sure. Hashtag restore the Snyderverse, whatever. But like, be fucking cool about yeah. it. Like, you know, use your voice. That's fine, but don't harass people. Don't don't be a fucking dick. Mm-hmm. Uh if it happens, great. If not, like just just be cool. You got this. Yeah. You're getting a black and white version of this, which <laughs> some people are excited about. If you're excited about that, go and be excited. Like this is this is your time. Like yeah. great. But don't be a fucking pest. Don't harass people, don't harangue people. Yeah, if
0: anyone post anything negative about it. You don't have to immediately immediately hit the replies with your your yeah, arguments I, for why they're I wrong. mean, I
1: just don't be a dick. Oh, one final thought. One final thought before we move on. Uh they definitely did some work to Henry Cavill's weird uncally, uncanny valley lips in the um, few scenes I think, I they think a re-shot. lot of that's reshot. Yeah, which thank fucking yeah. god because that was so bad. In the theatrical cut. I, I'm not a huge fan of the black costume, whatever. It works for
0: the but, for this movie. It's a dark, I mean, darker, whatever. Um, it's a darker version of it. It's more, more somber. So I think it's fine. Um,
1: it's fine, but thank God we have actual Henry Cavill's face yeah. and not this weird, this weird thing. Again, if you don't know what I'm talking about in the reading, uh, uh, theatrical uh, cut, he was simultaneously shooting the the La- Mission Impossible movie he was in. He was under contract with them, so they wouldn't let him shave his mustache to be Superman. So they filmed all the sequences with him as Superman with this mustache. And instead of just having Superman with a mustache for whatever reason, they decided, let's CGI over his lips. And it looks terrible in the original mm-hmm. cut. Uh In this, it, it is much better. It is, yeah, so one thing that stood out to me. Superman at least looks like fucking a human being. Yes. Even though he's a crypto.
0: We never talked about the aspect ratio. Um, Do you think that adds or detracts?
1: What? What? Uh, What? Why? (laughs) Why? It was just perplexing. Um, I didn't like it. Because I have a widescreen TV and everybody does, so why is it filmed in a TV? I heard, format? and
0: I don't know if this is true, but it was originally shot for IMAX, and that it would look better in that aspect ratio on IMAX. I don't know.
1: Um, it's I, I. I didn't care for I it. I got used um, to but, it,
0: but I didn't see like were scenes specifically shot to be that way. Like, there's an argument for why the lighthouse was in a three four or four three ratio because they wanted you to feel kind of more cramped inside the space with the characters
1: again yes it was that was a uh storytelling yes. reason it, it makes you feel more claustrophobic in this it's i was just like okay uh i it seemed pretentious <laughs> to me like the you know we have this uh fucking Disclaimer at the beginning that is felt shot, you know, in 4 or 3 to maintain the director's blah, blah, passion blah, blah. or blah blah. Yeah, it just was like, it just felt like more style for no reason. Mm-hmm. And so it, so it in didn't that add sense, anything. it did really well.
0: Um, yeah, I guess
1: so. Fair enough.
0: My, I guess my the last point I wanted to make about this whole thing, I do think it's better in some respects, but. There's absolutely no reason at all it needs to be four hours. Economy and storytelling matters. one yeah. of the one of the challenges of filmmaking, film is film for a reason. And it, yes, there are long films or are longer films than this. And there's arguments to whether they need to be that long. But I think that part of the reason, and it's not just that Zack Snyder, you know, got a complete do over to do whatever he wanted to do. So therefore he's, and nobody's, there's no theaters. So nobody has to like worry about like run times and you know, how many, how many auditoriums are going to be taking up for however many runs of this movie. So those kind of things don't, aren't being taken into account. So he t- feels like he has a freedom to make a four hour movie, but that doesn't necessarily make it a better movie and it doesn't necessarily make it a better story. And one of the, one of the challenges of storytelling good storytelling is to tell a story as economically as possible and when you' just fill every single scene and every single character moment and every single piece of exposition with as much runtime as you want to do whatever you want for whatever reason you want then you're not really adhering to the flow of the story or pacing or any of the things that matters when you're watching a movie. And so what you end up with is what felt like five episodes of a TV show that were just jammed together without any credits in between, but not even really, because some of those episodes, if they were just on their own, wouldn't even be a full story in and of themselves. So it's just this long lumbering, sprawling action schlock camp fest for four hours and yes, I think a, a, a two and a half hour, even a three hour cut of this movie would have been significant. Would have been a significant improvement on on what is, in some regards, a significant improvement of the Whedon cut. Yeah. that was in the theaters.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I basically agree with you. My overall take is it's indulgent. My overall take is that it's not better because of mm. that. Uh, uh, there are better moments. Um, and yeah, if, if it could have been just the story, then, then yes, I do think it would have been like, if it had just been a, a recut. Yeah. I would, have, I would say this is better in this case. It's just different. Mm. I think it is different, but equally flawed as the original. Like it, it's it. like, if I had seen this. And had not had any context, you know, it, do you think it's good or do you think it's just good because you didn't like the other version you got? You know, uh, in, in this case, I think it's it's not better. It's, it's just bad in different ways. And And I think just because it's different doesn't mean it's better or worse. It's just longer. And I don't know. I liked it more than I was expecting to, to be honest. Um, but uh, like you're saying, it's, it's not good storytelling and that frustrates me as, as a viewer, you know, I, for the first two hours, I was kind of checked out. Um, and it kind of got me back a little at the end, but it was way too little, you know, and too late. And then it, you know, we've already talked about the epilogue and what that did for, you know, a major boner killer. <laughs> uh, but yeah. I, I, I can't say it's better. Than the weeden cut.
0: I think in the ways in some of the ways that matter the most, specifically setting up the villain, setting up the conflict, and and building up some of the characters, I do think it's better. And in that sense, my original grade, because I said I listened back, was a was a D plus. I'm gonna give this a C. Okay. Um but I don't think I'll ever watch it again.
1: Unless there's a cut of the cut, um, and we have to do this review one more time, uh, what what did I give it? Do you remember? Do I want no. I,
0: I want to hear what you give it now, and then I'll tell you.
1: Either version, I still like better than Batman v Superman, yes. so I just want that on record. Um, I would probably give this. It's either a D plus plus or a C minus minus. So I'll 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 be nice and I'll give it a C minus.
0: You gave it a D plus last time as well.
1: Okay. okay. Again, it's it's still right around that same area mm-hmm. for me, but I guess I did like it a little bit more.
0: <laughs> yes. Um, okay, so now we never have to talk about this movie again.
1: Let's go ahead. What? No, there's the, they're releasing the black and white version. <laughs> We're going to have to do this whole review one more time to see how black and white affects us.
0: Uh, let's go ahead and talk about Maniac Cop, which was your... Um, Streaming homework for me, we uh, already give a big endorsement to Shudder, which is the app that we use to watch it. You might be able to find it elsewhere online. Maniac Cop came out in 1988. Uh, This was sort of the follow-up to uh, William Lustig's Maniac, which is sort of a a dirty exploitation slasher film from the early 80s, um, which is tonally and story-wise very different from this film other than the concept of a maniac serial killer. This has a few recognizable faces. Tom Atkins uh, plays the main character, Frank McRae, who is a uh, detective um, who's trying to find a maniac cop. There's been these killings happening around New York City, and a few people that have survived and been able to identify a very tall, very menacing cop wearing white gloves um, who pulls people over and kills them. Bruce Campbell is one of the suspects. He was having an affair with a Teresa Mallory, who works in, uh, with him. And um, he's kind of being held. He wants to prove his innocence, but they need more to go on than what he's saying. And uh, yeah, it's, a, it's a kind of just this, you know, city prowler horror movie. And mm-hmm. it's down and dirty, lean and mean. I thought this was a good '80s slasher film. I think it gets that tone just right of being kind of funny and silly, not like overly gross or sleazy, but just enough of that stuff to to get into the groove and get into the violence and and that kind of stuff. And sort of pays that off. Uh, and I think that the horror setups are are done pretty well. I really like uh Tom Atkins and Bruce Campbell in the movie. Um this has like memorable characters who are giving some real performances and the the set pieces are are pretty well conceived. I thought this was uh about as good as you can get from this style of late 80s kind of post Friday the 13th, maybe a little bit more self-aware than those movies slasher films.
1: All right. Now that we've gotten that out of the way. <laughs> uh no i i basically agree with you i when i say i want a movie to like be fun Mm -hmm. and embrace like what it is this is what i'm talking Mm. about it's about a killer cop uh you know we get to that right away it's stylistically it's pretty well Mm -hmm. shot um it's they do a really good job there, there's, at hide, there's no, hiding
0: the reveal of the cop for a while. There's a little bit of a, of a whodunit murder mystery kind yeah. of undercurrent.
1: Yeah. I, I think, you know, it's it's like you said, it's lean and it's mean. Uh, I, I like that. It's also not boring. Mm-hmm. Like that's my problem with a lot of like sort of slashery movies that pre, you know, predate Scream sort mm-hmm. of. Uh, I mean, there's, you know, there's a few good ones. Um uh, but uh, older ones tend to feel a little lumbering a little sometimes out. yeah uh uh like uh, you know a lot of the friday the 13th i think are kind of boring um for the most yeah. part um but this is is you know pretty it moves like right away we know what the problem is um i think the murder mystery is a fun aspect of this of yeah, my my big criticism, I think, uh, of this movie is the end. It's no it. It's no longer really a slasher movie, which is it very much is uh, at the beginning. But then it just becomes sort of a cop action mm-hmm. movie. But that stuff is fun too. Yeah, like so I I can't. And I feel like default. To- that's
0: what I mean by it's a little self aware. It's not like there are horror films from this era or even specifically before it, like sort of after the first couple um, Friday the 13th and Halloween's, then you got all the copycats that came out for like the first half Mm -hmm. of the eighties. And a lot of them were just kind of doing the same thing, but shittier. And then you get a little bit towards the end of the eighties of, okay, we know the tropes and we know what people like out of this. And let's maybe try and make it a little smarter, a little bit funnier and um, play up to some of this. And of course, the director's like referencing his own work in some regard. Um, so he's, and you know, like as a maniac, is a very different kind of movie. That's, I think much more almost like an exploitation film, but with like a, a, slight artsy vibe to it.
1: Well, that isn't that one, the one that's like shot from first person.
0: So that was the remake. They, the, there was a remake of maniac oh, okay. with, uh, Elijah Wood. That was all in first person. um,
1: I thought the
0: original was the too. original oh. isn't. I think there's scenes that are, but uh, it's uh it's just a you know it's about a a New York serial killer who kills prostitutes essentially, okay. and it's it's pretty gruesome um, and not as fun of a watch, although interesting in its own way. Um, this movie uh, is much more sort of a popcorn pop horror film.
1: Um, Yeah, like this is one that you can put on Halloween with your friends and like have a good time with it. Like I said, I watched the original with some
0: friends while we were carving pumpkins, and none of us had seen it before except for the person who brought it.
1: And you mean Maniac, not Maniac? Maniac, yeah. I
0: watched the original uh, Maniac uh, with them, and it was so sleazy that I was like, I feel a little weird right now. Like you know, most of the people there were girls, and it was like. Yeah, I just feel like a weirdo for, like, wanting to watch this right now. But we're, like, having fun carving pumpkins, watching this guy torture and kill prostitutes.
1: Yeah. This, this is, is not that. This is – no, this is the type of movie that you can have fun and carve pumpkins. Yeah. Because, like, the deaths are are creative and fun, but they're not, like, too real. Mm-hmm. But they also don't look bad either. Yeah. Like, they they look good. Um there's a couple times when he's like slamming Tom Atkins around that it starts to get a little silly, <laughs> and, and there's some uh, like kind of that with Bruce Campbell. There's too. some like, faces there's some in this
0: movie. This movie is full of. Um, so, did you ever hear that theory that uh, that uh, Roger Ebert had? He said that the the actor, the best actors, or the actors who become the most famous, is because they have the biggest heads, so they take up more screen well, I mean, space, and they. They command. More I don't attention. think that's the
1: case because otherwise Robert Zadar would be the biggest star <laughs> on the fucking planet. huge head. There's a lot of big heads uh, in this movie.
0: Between yeah, Campbell's I mean, chin and Tom Atkins' kind of severe look. Um,
1: yeah, kind of potato with a yeah, mustache. Yeah, I mean, and he was
0: like, he always played this kind of like detective type person. He was in Halloween 3 and uh, whatever.
1: Um, yeah, since we're talking about Tom yeah. Atkins. Um, I'm not personally a huge fan. I like his Uh, vibe. uh, He's
0: like a, he's like a, he's like just a hair better than like a 70s porn star.
1: Yeah, just a hair. Uh, I I I
0: really didn't. There's something like, like that I I, I dig about that.
1: So I really didn't care for him in Halloween. He's better here. Which is the only thing I've seen him in, uh, really. And then in this, I I think he works. Because he he just fills that like I mean he's just sort of all exposition but just the way he does it like it works mm-hmm. for him. Um, so in this movie, in this context, I actually thought he was just right for what this movie mm-hmm. needs. And he gives
0: a performance. You know, it's he also a like a lot of like one-on-one scenes with people.
1: Yeah, it, you know, it's similar to to Bruce mm-hmm. Campbell, especially at this time. Uh, he wasn't the best actor in the world uh but he's doing what you need him to do in this movie.
0: Right. And they fit in this they fit in this world.
1: They fit very much in this world. Yeah. Uh, we got Richard Roundtree, we got Shaft as the commissioner. Mm-hmm. Like it's very much like yeah, we're using this idea of exploitation, but it's also not like you said, it's not sleazy. It never makes me feel gross. It's yeah. just sort of fun. Yeah, that's why and you know, there's a lot of ways and weird like this cop is he? This mania cop is he dead? Is he undead? We don't know. Yeah. He's just some of that stuff is. He, he might be unkillable. Some
0: of that stuff is kind of ambiguous. But um, there's a uh, there's almost kind of like a twisty Hitchcocky kind of thing about it. Like um, specifically, I'm thinking like Rear Window and and um, and even Psycho to a certain extent, although. A lot of horror films are, uh, borrow heavily from Hitchcock, so that shouldn't be a surprise. But it has almost like mm-hmm. kind of like sense of humor too to the to the movie. Yeah, and there's you know there's a lot here, especially watching it in today's
1: context. Well, the the premise of this movie is what if there was a cop that white people could be afraid right. of? And <laughs> yeah, and. Watching it now was a little like, oh, we were so naive,
0: right? Exactly.
1: But, uh, but I don't think it. To me, it didn't ruin the movie. It just made it a little more like I don't know. I like I said, I was just like, oh, how, look he, how innocent, yeah, <laughs> we, we were. That like this could be the premise of a horror movie and not the horror of everyday society. Right. That I, we're and part
0: in. of me was like, I'd almost, I almost want to see the Jordan Peele remake.
1: Well, okay. I also was like, man, this movie is, like, that type of 80s slasher that should totally be remake. It's obscure enough, but it has enough of a cult following. Apparently, on IMDb, there is a Maniac Cop in production that's being produced by Nicholas Winding Refn. Whoa. Yeah, and it, like... Is like set in LA instead of New York. I'm very curious to see what okay. comes of this, if anything.
0: All right, well, yeah, we'll see there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: I mean, this could be very yeah. weird. Um, But I also agree. I was like, I, I feel like a black director should t- should take a crack at this. Yeah. Uh, so, but
0: instead we're getting a Dutch one.
1: Yeah, but whatever. I mean, there's. You know, there's probably some insight to the non-American lens. Yeah. yeah uh, I don't know. I'm definitely interested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if it'll be good. It'll but... be
0: something. It'll be yeah. something. That's for sure. All right. Well, I yeah, I recommend Maniac Cop. I think it's a good time. I'd maybe even try out the sequels to see if
1: they're any good. Uh, I am interested that they were all directed by uh, William Lustig. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, all right. All right. Let's. I, I might, yeah, I might give him a watch. Maybe, maybe that will be a, a homework coming up in the not too distant future. Well,
0: in the soon to be future, immediate, immediate future, future, as it were. Um, we'll be reviewing the man who killed Don Quixote from
1: Terry Gilliam. Terry
0: Gilliam. yes, okay. there is a bit long backstory to to this version of Don Quixote because there was that original production that Terry Gilliam was working on. That um, they were well into production and then a storm came and destroyed everything and they couldn't get funding to restart. There was a whole documentary about it called uh, I Lost mean, in also, La Mancha.
1: Uh, I mean, also, Terry Gilliam, um, you know, not unfamiliar with the concept of a director's yes. cut. Uh, Brazil, very similar. One of the least lucky. Uh,
0: uh, Creative people ever working in Hollywood, but I've been so I'm interested you know the lore and all of that to see his version of Don Quixote. It came out in 2018. neither of us caught it, so we'll be watching that for our next streaming homework and if anybody has anything to say about that or any of the topics we brought up in this episode or past, you can contact us on uh, our gmail at uh, mcguffinpod at gmail.com You can find us on social media. Uh, Instagram and Twitter at, at MacGuffinPod. Um, we are also on Facebook at Facebook.com slash MacGuffinPod. Uh, you can find me individually on Twitter at BC Cassidy. I'm also on uh, Instagram under the same handle. You can read my reviews that I do weekly for the Idaho State Journal by Googling Idaho State Journal movies, and it should take you directly to the movie page. Uh, if you happen to be using one of the streaming apps that we're on, um, whether it be iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, whatever, whatever is your favorite podcatcher, please leave us a five star rating and a review. And what are what is your stuff?
1: You can uh, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Keith Foster Kid. Fucking come at me, Snyder stands. <laughs> uh, I'll I'll. Talk to you all day about Mm it. And you can follow my art account at Sticky Note Aesthetic. I think that's it. That is it. She begged me with her last breath that when I killed you, and make no mistake, I will fucking kill you, that I do it slow.
0: Bye.